Yeah, that's like at least an hour of extra recording that will never see the light of day. <laughs> yeah, just post on the Patreon. I'll, I'll post some of it. We, there, there was a good Pixar conversation in there. Can't do that on the Waffle Press. Yeah, fine, I'll, I'll, I'll work up a title or whatever the fuck. I'll tell you, that should be the name. <laughs> All right, well, well, the name of this show is Avatar Legend of the Last Retrospective. Hello, I'm your host, Diego Crespo. With me today is my co-host, Matt Garingo. That's me. And today... Of course, we're here to talk about the beginnings of Book 3, Fire, of Avatar The Last Airbender. As is usual on the show, we talk about five episodes per recording for your listening pleasure. Not viewing pleasure, because even though we'll be on YouTube, you'll you'll just see the audio waves. There are no faces. I don't I'm think sorry. they figured that out yet, Diego. I'm just, I just want to make things clear for people. Can you laboriously explain the mechanics of this podcast again? Yeah, yeah, sure. So... No, no. If you you listen this far, you you, you know how, you know how this what works. The fuck is up. Yeah. So today we're talking about the awakening, the headband, the painted lady, Sokka's master, and the beach. And just a heads up, the rest of this season recording will be a little differently because there's a bunch of two parters, and the finale is four parts. So I'll we'll explain that on those episodes, so don't worry. And uh, at the end of this recording, I'll, I'll explain it again so you know what episodes to watch for next time. But today, we're picking up in the aftermath of the fall of Bossing Say. Aang basically died for like a moment. Uh, Zuko betrayed Uncle and everyone. And the F- Fire Nations basically won the war. Like, there, there's no longer the Hundred Year War. Now it's kind of like the Hundred Year resistance and there's like five people resisting um, shit, shit didn't go well no no it's bad shit and it's so bad that badly. ang was basically asleep for like a month i think right yeah. like, like they say like weeks but i i he's got a full head of hair now i, I think which is die, odd i think to die um it's not that difficult to believe you'd be asleep for a month oh yeah yeah no 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 qualms with that setup Look, I get magic water does things, but one thing, and this is like, I, I, I don't mean this as a criticism at all, but it's like, one thing I always have difficulty watching now is anyone who's quote-unquote in a coma for more than like three days that is able to just get up and walk around immediately after. <laughs> I don't think the average person knows what happens to your body if you're in a bed for three days. <laughs> yeah, he comes out and he's like, I'm, I'm the Avatar, and then he falls over. <laughs> yeah, and then we we see that Toph, Sokka, Katara, and Hakoda, Katara, and Sokka's father, are aboard a Fire Nation ship, where they're basically undercover trying to escape the Earth King, Earth Earth Kingdom, and uh, they're just trying to survive right now until the invasion can happen. Uh, Matt, what do you think about this episode? I liked it. All right, goodbye, everyone. Okay. <laughs> All right. No, no. I mean, I, this is. I like that. Uh, I like the jump ahead. Um, I think that's an interesting because that's something we haven't really done yet. You know, like even the breaks between season one and two wasn't that long. And also, Ang has like been out of it, so we got to catch him up with things. That there's now like a change in the status quo a little bit. Um, we find out that the Earth King just left with his bear, <laughs> which is something. All right, one thing. All right, to start it off, 
I'm a little uh, I, I'm a little confused on the the metaphor of the walls of Bossing say. Because in the previous season, it seemed like the fact that the city was so walled in was an overtly bad thing, correct? Mm-hmm. Like, that's keeping them, it's keeping them out of touch with what's going on in the outside world, and it allows uh, the Dai Li to basically be a secret police force that takes over the whole nation, right? Right. But the opening of this shows the walls of Ba Sing Se coming down and the, the Fire Nation coming in. So now it's like the wall was a good thing? I think if you really want to push it there, I, I, I don't think the metaphor, like, I don't think it runs into the problem that you're saying it does. I think it's only a problem because of the external threat that was, mm-hmm. that, that's already been there, you know? It, it's not saying anything challenging about the nature of the inner rings of bossing, say, I think it's just establishing that while not a good place either, it was also the last, like, bastion of hope. And now, as we found out, it was also false hope because of the people running it were, you know, secret police, (laughs) which are bad. Um, But it it, it basically does, like, stamp out any semblance of, like, well, we can always fall back here if that doesn't work out. Like, there's there's nowhere left to go anymore. Yeah, the illusion has been shattered. All right. Yeah. I, I think call- that's that's it. You know who called this shit that's going on in our country right now? <laughs> who? Bill Burr. Oh my god. Alright, for one, Bill Burr, like, after Trump got elected, he said one of those things, which is very wrong, where he said nothing will change under Trump. Which has been proven to be very wrong. But the one thing he said is that... Uh, he thought the border wall was ridiculous, that it was impractical to build, and he said, by the time we finish it, we're going to be the ones jumping over it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of right, in a weird way. Wow, I hadn't heard that. Uh, I did hear his Trump thing, but I didn't hear that part. Oh, wow. Yeah. He, so, he's got his moments. I'm a, I'm a Bill Burr fan, even yeah. when he needs to stop talking sometimes. Problematic fave, Bill Burr. You know what this reminded me of a little bit once when you were explaining uh, the walls coming down a little bit? Do you remember Machete? <laughs> I do. Remember the plot of Machete is that uh, Robert De Niro is going to build an electrified border fence, but it's going to secretly be controlled by, uh, what's his name? Uh, who's the fucking bad actor? <laughs> he had a show where he trained cops in martial arts. Steven Seagal? Steven Seagal. There you go. There you go. I like how that was the one. <laughs> I know. Because <laughs> Steven Seagal's like, he needs help. Yeah. <laughs> like... remember, that, remember that show? He trained cops, but like, if you ever watched it, he was so out of shape, like he couldn't keep up with any of the criminals. And they would have to like edit together him arriving at the arrest after they already took place, but then making it look like he was involved. And then he would like look at the camera and be like, another gun off the streets. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he was secretly going to control the border fence. So he's basically going to turn it into like he was going to bring in the people he wanted and like extort money from immigrants. Like that was the plot of that movie. I don't know why that made me think of the walls of Bossing Say now being controlled by the Dai Li, who are now working for the Fire Nation. Well, it's uh, 
you know, can you hear the sirens in the back? No. Are they coming okay, for you? Okay, good. Yeah, I think so. That's okay. <laughs> I'm making too many hot takes. I know. It's Steven um, Seagal. <laughs> no, he's he's a citizen of Russia now. So. Oh, God. Yeah, I know. I know. There's a whole podcast we could do about that someday. <laughs> what about this? So Seagal's gone to Russia and Kobe Bryant goes to North Korea. I'm not Kobe Bryant. What the fuck am I saying? Uh, I had the name too, Dennis Rodman. I don't know why I said Kobe Bryant. Has haven't we suffered enough from the loss of Kobe? We don't Thanks. need to drag his name through the mud. Yeah, I, you know I'm not even gonna make a joke because that was. I know, I know. I was like, wait, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Maybe, I'll that. just cut that one. I got nothing to save that. The imagery is very similar to the Nazis marching into France. Yeah, and it's it's accompanied by a voiceover from Lo and Lee. The we didn't really talk about them because oh, they're a just great kind of moment. The oh, it, it's yeah, it's it's terrific and terrifying, and it's it's so good. I think I was kind of teeing it up before we started recording that I wasn't crazy about these episodes. Um, I, I I couldn't even like joke about it long enough. Like, no, th- this is this is a terrific, like reintroduction to everything. Yeah, this is kind of how I wanted Rise of Skywalker to start. It kind of needed something like this, honestly. Yeah. Like, there's there's a little bit there not to get into Rise of Skywalker too much because everything's fucking Star Wars related on here, I guess. Hey, look, it's literally like these. Those are the two trilogies, you know. Like these are the two. They're the only comparable franchises because every other big franchise like this is usually based on like a pre-existing property and it's like star wars was a movie first avatar was a tv show first yeah and so. uh, like rise of skywalker does have a moment where they're like oh we're meeting up with other resistant agents now we gotta like escape but you don't get the the vastness of like this new empire like yeah, rising to power jungle that whole goddamn movie i know it's i, I know i know i know Listen to, to the Rise of Skywalker commentary over on the Patreon, where you can hear us be even less kind on rewatch. And all the all the people at Burning Man seemed like they were doing fine. I know it's. I mean, it's again, such... that's not that's not really a problem. Is like we see a lot of people doing fine in this season, but you know we kind of need the other end, which is that yeah, that creepy scene of them just giving the speech about how the Fire Nation has won. Everything sucks now. It's a great way of establishing yeah that that like it's over. Like they they've they've lost. Yeah, you lost. They, they they lost the war. Um, that doesn't mean the fight ends, but they they did lose. And yeah, th- this whole episode is kind of about everyone, or really Aang and Zuko coming to terms with that because Zuko is has everything he's ever wanted, and we'll discuss a lot in these five episodes how it doesn't matter because it's not really what he wanted. It's what someone else wanted for him, and it's not. His own decisions that got him there. Right. The one decision he did make was the wrong one. Yeah, and exactly. that got him... Yeah, there you go. <laughs> to, to clarify. So here's the one, Here's what the walls of Bossing say remind me of. Oh, the God. French Maginot line in World War II. <laughs> that was the line that was like, they, the Nazis can't cross the Maginot line. And then the Nazis crossed the Maginot line. <laughs> So, <laughs> sure, sure, yeah. And, that's, that was, and that's what led to the evacuation at Dunkirk, which is a movie. <laughs> it's also a, a very real historical event. Yeah. 
It's also, I guess, I, I don't want to get too sidetracked, but that's kind of the show. Um, I think the Dunkirk thing is, like, that story is, like, mostly propaganda. Like, I think the British actually lost more resources than they gained. I remember reading that somewhere. I could be entirely wrong. Don't listen to fucking guys talking about Avatar explain a World War II battle. But I think it's one of those things where it's, like, a very, like, nationally important story. But it might not be as significant as it's often made out to be. Yeah, because, I mean, like, how many people in the States didn't even know about it until the movie was coming out, yeah. you know? like Did Dunkirk come out the year of Brexit? 2017? So that's a year after Brexit, I believe. Yeah, after they were like, yep, we're doing it. <laughs> we voted. I wonder if that's a coincidence at all. Well, it was it was in production prior yeah. to, to that. Because it takes Nolan like two years to make his shit. Still, something might have been in the air. So, some, maybe something was. Maybe maybe something was. But um, speaking of propaganda, <laughs> I don't I don't have any actual transition. There's just a lot of Fire Nation propaganda in these early episodes. Well, yeah, Fire the Fire Lord makes his first full appearance in the show. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's a great moment too. Like they they don't even like they don't reveal it when Zuko goes in to talk to him for the first time in years. Until, like, the very last moment where he tells him, welcome home. And you finally see him, and it's like, oh, th- this is the guy. This is the end game right here. Like, this is all, it's all coming into place for the first time. Another thing hanging over Zuko is that they, they, he's, his sister claims he's killed the Avatar. So everyone's treating Zuko as a hero for that, which is something Zuko knows is not true. So that's also bothering the poor guy. Oh, poor guy. Fuck. Zuko is a real piece of shit in these first five episodes, I gotta be honest. Oh, no, totally. Um, he's he, he's my, my favorite sad boy, but, but he's also made so many bad decisions. Yeah, not to be Rise of Skywalker again, but this is kind of what I wanted out of Rise of Skywalker. With Zuko, you know? But instead of him taking credit for killing the Avatar, he comes back and assumes control of the First Order. Yeah, and he's like, Ray killed our former Supreme Leader, yada yada. Yeah. Then you got Hux as Azula. Yeah, maybe I'll just watch this every time I watch the, the sequel films again. And I'll just like... And, and then it's a perfect trilogy. Yeah, you know, then it works. But yeah, I guess one thing I will say um, about this is I love Mark Hamill. And I, I love him as the voice of Fire Lord Ozai, but it's also like he's like a monster man. Like <laughs> there's no nuance to the Fire Lord at all. I, and we've talked about it before. Um, and I, there is a lot of criticism about how like Azula and Zuko are like these such like well defined 3D characters. Well, Az- mm-hmm. Azula less so, less but so. I think that's I think that's intentional, and I still think it's not enough at the same time, you know what I mean? Well, we talked yeah. about it, whatever. Um, I think with Fire Lord Ozai, you don't need that nuance. You don't necessarily need it, but I think one thing that um, just I get a little hang up on, and I mean, I really am, it's more just like, if you're gonna tell this type of story again, maybe think about these things. Don't know who I could be talking to out in the world, but hey. Um... Yeah, at the time of the recording, they are still making that show without the creators. Yeah, but we'll see. <laughs> uh, but it gives all Zuko with Fire, the Fire Lord and Azula basically being just straight up evil people. 
it gives Zuko a bit of an easy out. Like, he's kind of the good one by default, you know? And I gotta give the show some credit for actually making him kind of worse in these five episodes. Because they could have just made him a sad boy, but instead he does kind of become an asshole. Which I like. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about a decision in the next episode he makes where it's just like, oh, wow, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot he did that. That's not great. Um, but I, I, I like his monster man father <laughs> okay, is yeah. all I'm saying. You know, like for, for the conflict of the series, that's, that's kind of all you need is like a representation of power. And I think that would be like more beneficial, again, to go back to Azula's thing where like if her... She doesn't need that inner plight and turmoil that Zuko has, but you you do need a better like exploration of how like oh like her her status in like the Fire Nation culture and like the oppressive fascism that's like kind of guided her her whole life has been psychologically bad for her mm-hmm. and and how that's changed her like she wasn't born like a monster although the show kind of maybe throws it in that direction a little more than I would appreciate, honestly. But Well, maybe she just lived in a, a culture that rewarded her worst tendencies, you know? Mm-hmm. You can look at it that way. I'm just trying to yeah. imagine the Fire Lord, like, asking his kids if they want anything for dinner. Like, I don't think just, they had dinner together. <laughs> I guess. It's just like, I, that's the thing where it's like, as Fire Lord, you can imagine, like, it was just servants the whole time or, you know, their mom did everything. But I'm, it's just, I'm trying to imagine this guy having a normal conversation. <laughs> I mean, like, to look back at the whole series, every vision of the Fire Lord has been in that room. Yeah. Across, like, at the end of the hall or whatever, wreathed in flames, basically, faceless, a shadow, right? The only like, time he left was when he burned Zuko in that scene. Yeah, so... And that flashback where the mother disappears. Yeah, and even then, you know, of course, you never see the face until this episode. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, it, I, I don't think, <laughs> I don't, I don't think we're meant to see him as a person. Which again could be like a criticism of the series. You know, I mean, for a series that that has shown such empathy towards like the majority of its characters, doesn't yeah. mean you need. Doesn't mean need. You don't always uh, need. Like, I mean, I love that the Emperor in Star Wars is just like evil oh yeah yeah that's like, terrific no nuance to the guy although uh, according, according to some people that that unmade star wars tv show that george lucas was gonna do called like underground or whatever or underworld or something it was gonna explain the the backstory of palpatine well i'm glad that's dead yep for now but i i know i'm scared don't don't do that well that's one of those things where it's like i According to the people that worked on it, they wrote, like, dozens of scripts for episodes. Mm. And were just waiting for funding, and it just never came. So, someone might own those scripts. Mm. We also get to see Aang uh, wrestling with his first true failure in the series. Yeah, and he's, he's not... He's not taking it well. Not taking it it's well. not that and he even has to, you know? And just, his body it, is also destroyed... A little bit. And, yeah, you know. Aang's not doing great. I mean, he he's a guy who's finally kind of, like, accepted that he has to take care of other people. And now other people have to take care of him for a little while. And that that shift for something he barely really got comfortable with is uh, pretty monumental, you know. 
And then, yeah. you know, he, that that responsibility, he let the world down again, he feels, you know. And, like, it's obviously more complicated than that. But for, like, a kid, that's just such a huge burden. And, you know, like, he, he does abandon the ship. And there's that great moment where Roku and uh, Yue, Yue, this is the other appearance of Yue. This is the last one, I believe. Um, they tell him that, no, he didn't fail, that uh, he has to keep fighting. And Roku's saying that he... That Aang inherit, inherited his sins, and that now, mm-hmm. like you know, that's the real reason the world is suffering. And I think it's just a good reminder that like Aang doesn't always need to have like the burden of the literal world on his shoulders. What's doesn't... What's funny is, I mean, I think we've all gone through something. As like, there's that moment when you're growing up where you kind of have to come to terms with how much in your life is actually out of your control. You know. Mm-hmm. There's so many things that drive our lives that we don't actually have any control over. Especially when we live in a culture that tells us that we're all in control of our own destinies. <laughs> that we're all going to make something of ourselves and we're all going to have the American dream and whatnot. And it's a hard lesson to learn. But it's also probably doubly hard if you are the literal avatar. <laughs> and you are expected to do great things from birth so it's you know it's that thing of like that's got to be a heavy weight to carry yeah and Uh, it's kind kind of amazing he hasn't lost it yet yeah i mean the only other time you've seen him like break down and it was severely worse was when he lost appa and that was like you know him finally letting go of all the, the angst he was building up over that and yeah it's a very it's a very touching moment when he kind of gains his own self-confidence because like while this is an ensemble series you know and ang is like the, the primary like protagonist um sometimes these characters have to go on their own journeys without each other and that's something this season actually does really well which is kind of funny because this is known as like the return of the jedi of the series and like their empire strikes back is mostly them together until like the second to last episode mm-hmm. And this this is one where they start experimenting with stuff, but we'll that that's later. We'll we'll get to that for we'll first time that. watchers. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, I also want to commend the, the the writing with like the reunion of Katara and Hakoda because she did not get to see her father uh, when when Sokka did because you know she was helping the Earth Kingdom with their plans for the war and that didn't end well either. But um, how. There's this, like, genuine tension she has with her father, but it's not, like, she doesn't hate him or anything for leaving, but there's just that very authentic moment where she says, like, she understands why everything had to happen the way it did and why he had to go help other people around the world, but it's still tough because they were just kids and he left. Like, that. that's just a tough thing that needs to be confronted and there was no real easy answer or finality to that. Yeah. It's just something that needed to be expressed. And I, I thought that was also very moving. You know what this also reminded me of? Is it The Last Jedi or some shit? AVPR. Oh my god. With the, the did, mother. I did not come, expect that. That comes back from the war and like her daughter like doesn't get along with her. I can't believe that's the most popular of our alien retrospectives. That's fucking insane. I know because pe- people are waking up to the fact that that's one of the better alien films. I I don't think that's true. It's like it's like right under three. Liam, if you're listening to this, I still love Beyond Skyline. 
It's a great movie. Beyond Skyline is a great movie. No, AVPR, great film. Oh my god. Underrated. I, I, I see the point you're making. I actually agree, but that's that's not what we're here to discuss. People are going to realize one of these days. Once everyone gets over, like, oh, it's too dark. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Watch the fucking movie. I think Liam said that's the one movie you should have your TV autocorrect for you. No, you should. You gotta embrace <laughs> the darkness. Speaking of embracing the it's darkness. It's impossible to see what's going on, much like it was possible impossible to navigate the post-Iraq war United States. I'm, bring us back. You gotta make up for that. That was really bad. <laughs> Am I wrong? No, but but what what else do you feel about this episode? Uh, Mark so we can Hamill move on? also voices another guy in this episode. Oh, does he? I don't remember. One of the one of the. Oh the wait, no, no, guys. I totally do now. Yeah, that must be a thing with him because he always seems because he also voices minor characters in like all three of the new Star Wars films. Yeah, oh, he gets his head to like he gets decapitated in Rise of Skywalker yeah. with his other character. Win the war, dead. I know, it's like, it's just the wrong kind of dark, but whatever, whatever. It's yeah, gross. well, I mean, it's one thing, you can do that if, I don't know, that that was, every decision in that movie is just baffling. Anyways. It's like it was um, made by a computer, you know? <laughs> it, really does, it, it really does feel that way. I know. Um, but no, okay, so then they have that, that fight between the boats and... You get to see Toph do some more metal bending, and then uh, it kind of looks like, oh yeah, they they're they're really like up against it, and they might not like they might have to abandon ship at one point. And then the, the giant sea monster from the Serpent's Pass shows back up, and then it attacks the Fire Nation ship instead. I thought that was pretty great. That, that reminded me of good. like a Godzilla shit. Um, what was I gonna say? One thing I gotta, I guess, one other criticism is. I don't think Toph gets enough in these episodes. Maybe I'm just not remembering something. Um, we don't really see Toph wrestle with the fact that her own family sent bounty hunters after her. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> no, I, I would agree. I, I don't think it's a spoiler because we're talking about five episodes in this recording to say that that is just something that's not really acknowledged. Yeah, I feel like that is something she would have to deal with at some point. Maybe that'll come later. I don't totally remember all the episodes of this season. I do remember, but I'm going to hold on to it. So for these five, right. for sure. It's, I'm assuming there. there's going to be an episode at least, but hopefully it'll be good. Yeah, much like the Ozai criticism that I vehemently disagree with, uh, I actually kind of agree with the Toph criticism that she doesn't have a lot to do here, mm. uh, which, which is, is too bad because Toph's a great character and... Stuff starts getting explored later, but like it's not, it's not present right off the bat. And I guess you don't really need it, but it would be nice to have. But again, like even like Sokka doesn't have a lot to do right now. We're gonna get to his episode later. Yeah. But uh, um, yeah. Right at the beginning, he's just like, oh yeah, we're still planning the invasion, but instead of an army, it's gonna be like a group of our closest friends and allies. I'm and sure it's like, it'll oh yeah, without a hitch. Yeah, and then it's also like, oh yeah, and half of them are on this ship that's barely manned. <laughs> like, <laughs> so it's like it's not the odds aren't great, you know. Uh, oh, and and then I guess 
Aang also has to destroy his glider. He he decides to destroy his glider to hide his identity as the Avatar because the world thinks he's dead. And that's much, kind of their secret weapon. Much like how Luke Skywalker sank his X-Wing. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to have a stroke. <laughs> you know why I keep bringing it up? Because I know the people that claim to love this show probably hated The Last Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> you know you know i'm right i know i know i, I, I know I'm, just, I'm constantly wrestling with the fact that like nerds never know why they love the things they love and you'd think that then honestly i i hope that people go in with this show with a more open mind and start questioning things more because the characters in the series are constantly searching for like internal answers for their conflicts and stuff like that so you'd think people would walk away with a little bit more, but mm-hmm. nah, whatever. Um, I don't cut this if I've already made this point, but did I, did I already make my uh, Jay Leno, David Letterman comparison in relation to that, the point you just made? I don't remember. Well, I'll I don't make think it so. In, if you hear it, just cut it again. Yeah, yeah. But I think a thing that you can look at, when you look at David Letterman and Jay Leno, there's like this big difference between the two where... You can tell that both of them loved Johnny Carson's Tonight Show, and they both grew up obsessed with it, as most Americans did. And But David Letterman loved it in that way where he, when he watched it, he was like, oh, but what if you did this? What if you took it in this direction? What if you tried something like this? Whereas Jay Leno just wanted The Tonight Show. He didn't want to take it anywhere. He just wanted it to be the exact same Tonight Show. And I think that's like the... There's there's a difference. When you love something that much, you either just want it or you want to take it in a direction that, you know, you, you can feel it. Anything you love that deeply, I think, you always... There's always a part of your brain that goes like, oh, but what if they took it in this direction? What if they tried this? What if they did that? And I think there's a whole other segment that is just incurious and just wants to constantly be re-given the thing they love. I think you're right. And I also think that to to further that point is that people treat it kind of like fast food. It's like, I want that cheeseburger. Mm-hmm. Now that's fine, but don't go looking for that cheeseburger in other places. That might yeah. be a very stupid analogy, but I'm going to stick to it. Well, no, uh, uh, people often compare Jay Leno to fast food. There you the, go. The McDonald's of late night. And then Jay Leno embraced that term. Stupid. Yeah. Fuck so, Jay Leno. <laughs> also, the other thing to remember is that Jay Leno always had higher ratings than David Letterman. That's really disappointing. Except for like, the, except for like those first few months of the show. But it's like, you know, like I'm trying to make this point where it's like, I, I do think that if you love something, you want to take it in an interesting direction. But that direction is very often not rewarded. And I don't know if that's just something fundamentally we'll never get past. Or if we just don't have a culture that likes to embrace change and the new. And optimistically, I think it might be the latter. Because... I think that's capitalism, really. 
Capitalism is supposed to be this really innovative thing, but the more and more you look at it, the more it just keeps things stagnant and it makes this country very bad at adapting to change. Which is why we're going through one of the biggest transitions in societal history and like everything is breaking at the seams. <laughs> but we got to go back to the way things were, obviously. Yep. That's, that's what we really need in this country. It, well, this episode, when will we hit an episode that will be airing after the election? Uh, probably Cora. Cora, all right. Oh, wait, That's... no, no, maybe these. Maybe. I don't know, because... No, 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 because we're starting September. I'm not going to look through the whole calendar right now. Mm. But we're starting September, so maybe the election's, like, about to happen as this one airs. Mm. Damn. Yeah, that's... Oh, boy. Um, Not great. Not great. I mean, we could be. You could be listening to this in a post-Trump re-election world, or in a jail cell. That 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 too. That's that's the optimistic reading. <laughs> or in hell. You know, prison would actually be pretty good for me right now because at least I wouldn't have to pay for my fucking life-saving medical supplies. No, but someone was mean to me on Twitter, so you can't have health insurance. Yeah, you know. So fucking Cardi, stupid. Cardi B came at him on Medicare for All. Hell yeah. I'm so proud of her growth as yeah, like an yeah. artist and as being like socially aware. She admitted to robbing people, right? Yeah, that's kind of awesome. See, we should have known she was cool then. I know. That's like, so... That was like the thing where everyone was like, oh, you love Cardi B, huh? Well, she admitted to robbing people. And it's like, no, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm like, sorry, you're a fucking nerd. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, the status quo is not great uh, in the first episode, but in chapter two, the headband, things are also still not really great, and <laughs> and and the group has to uh, realizes that they they can't just walk around in their traditional cultural garb. So they have to steal shit and dress like the Fire Nation people because now they're hanging out in the Fire Nation. I think that's kind of like an under-discussed thing in the first episode that not only is like, you know, the, the Earth Kingdom is Fire Nation, but they're also just stuck on a boat the whole time. Yeah, the first episode they're still like at seas and no one controls the seas. <sighs> Uh, I, I guess. I don't know if there was a League of Nations in the Avatar universe where they decided that the oceans belong to everyone. And by everyone, we mean the United States because we have the largest navy. <laughs> yeah, the the headband is, is much lighter than um, the conversation that was headed to. I think you got the title of this episode wrong. It's actually, Are you going to say it's called Footloose? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes, it is Footloose. Chapter 2, Footloose. And guess what? I never got Footloose until I rewatched this episode. <laughs> I don't love Footloose. So let me just say what a big deal it is that I love this episode. This is a great episode. It's so good. I see it all the time on bottom rankings of fan rankings of best episodes. What? I think everyone's out of their goddamn mind. What's, this is a terrific episode. What's wrong with y'all? 
I don't know. It is so episode. much fun. It's fun, but it's also like we get really into what the fuck is up in the Fire Nation. Yeah, and you realize that the way they're brainwashing the Fire Nation children is basically just how education works in the United States. Yeah, this I, honestly, um, this episode really should appeal <laughs> to younger viewers. Because mm-hmm. when you're in school, you're like, man, school sucks. And then when you're an adult, you're like, man, school sucks. Yeah. And much like real school, I appreciated the friendships I made. Not so much the education system. Yeah. Because it is severely undervalued and used to make us pledge allegiance to the flag every single morning. But don't worry, they don't Wait. pledge allegiance on the show. They give a pledge of loyalty. Oh, okay. That's somehow less creepy than pledge of allegiance. <laughs> I know. I think just the, like longer words are just inherently more creepy. Yeah, but it's under <laughs> so allegiance. It's just under discussed that we are legit expected to give a pledge of allegiance every morning. I know. I was at least at people like, again. I was at a pretty liberal school where I was. You didn't have to do the pledge really. Like you know. And I, I made some friends through that. I did not go through very liberal schools. In fact, I went to, I, now looking yeah. back, pretty conservative schools. Although high school might have been a little different. I don't know. I remember more conservative stuff than liberals. But I am also still friends with a teacher of mine who is more liberal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember getting in trouble sometimes in middle school for not doing the Pledge of Allegiance. I know. Yeah, that's like really fucked up in hindsight. Did you ever what have the a teacher? Fuck? Uh, I had I had this happen once in middle school, and it was a teacher I liked. But uh, one time, we were in their class for for first period for some reason, and I think it was like the end of the year, so everyone was goofing off, and a bunch of people didn't stand for the pledge. And he pulled one of those like, "I just want you to understand that veterans died to give you the right to stand for the flag," <laughs> and. In like in hindsight, that was like a really weird moment. Mm-hmm. I had like a t- oh. I, I pulled a complete one eighty. Whereas in middle school, I was very much like stand for the pledge; it's the right thing to do. And then as soon as I got to high school, I was like, "Man, I'm not standing for that oppressive flag." <laughs> like, well, see, for me in middle school, I was just like, I wasn't like a rambunctious shithead, but I was like. Mm, at a certain point, I, I was starting to get disrespectful to authority. And then by the time high school came around, I was, like, actively questioning things. I was like, oh, wait, no, this is weird. <laughs> Why don't we talk about how weird this is? And I remember one of the big pivot points for me was a high school teacher in, in eighth grade who I had known basically almost my whole life at that point because I went to that school from yeah, yeah. kindergarten to eighth grade, right? Nice guy, very respectful to me and my family. Um, who has since passed away, you know, rest in peace, Mr. Carnoffel. But also, he did have this comment where he said, like, oh, you know, like, back in the old days in war, like, people would stand out in the middle of the street and shoot each other. <laughs> and, uh, and now they dig foxholes. And I was like, wait a second. <laughs> That's weird. Why, why did you make that comment? And I didn't question him, but in the back of my mind, I was like, That's... Huh. I had a history why, teacher. Why, why is that a point in contention? I had a history teacher who was insane. And I really liked him because he was actually like, he was liberal, but he was like crazy. And he taught me about how like, you know, it's like, yeah, we have the right to vote in this country. But back in the day, people would just stand around and like ask you which party you were voting for and assault you if it wasn't their party. God. 
Which is something they don't normally teach about in the schools. <laughs> um, also, one time I threw up during the Pledge of Allegiance. That's appropriate. Yeah. I had, to, I had one of those mornings where I was like, Dad, I think I'm sick. And he's like, you're not sick. You're going to school. Oh, yep. I remember those. <laughs> and I got to school, and in the middle of the pledge, I just threw up. None of which ha- happens in these episodes. Uh, and Aang goes undercover at the school on accident because everyone gets their get up right and then Katara's like how do I look and Aang you know blushes and shit it's cute it's cute but uh he he accidentally steals a Fire Nation student uniform and gets thrown into the school by like police officers or something like that or some sort of guards whatever and he has to fit in because he's worried about being caught as the avatar right and uh it it's just a nice moment for him to like get used to being quote-unquote normal kid you know it's not yeah. normal what's being done to them like they're brainwashing but the distance of like able to be in an educational environment and like just have fun with friends without worrying about like the weight of the world it's a nice contrast to where he was last episode where he's like i'm just i feel so bad about everything now it makes sense why he's so excited about this you know and then he goes back to like their little hideout cave and he's like, oh, yeah, I went to school. And everyone's like, oh, we were so worried about you. He's like, yeah, I went to that school and I'm going back tomorrow. <laughs> and Sokka's like, you were what? <laughs> it's so good. It's, it's, uh, everyone who dislikes this episode is a liar. Everyone's wrong. I don't know what the hell they're talking about. For one, Yeah, it's just, no, this, it's, this is fantastic. It's just really interesting to be like, all right, we're in the Fire Nation. They've been built up as the villains of the whole series, right? It's there. It, literally, the opening of the show is everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. <laughs> it's like Fire Nation bad, Fire Nation bad, and then just an episode where it's like, yeah, you know, the, the Fire Nation's made up of people too, <laughs> and none of, and it's also not like this thing where it's like, there's like the one asshole kid really, like <laughs> the majority of the kids are fine, and you know they maybe just don't think about what they're being taught that much yeah because you know like when you're only exposed to certain things in life like you don't even know to question certain things in life yeah. you know like there, there might be standout situations or people able to like perceive things beyond that but it shouldn't even be like a question that they would have to like ponder you know like mm-hmm. these poor kids that don't even realize what's going on and Aang has the good point to like recognize that these are the future of the Fire Nation, these kids, and they should be allowed to express themselves in a healthy manner too. And and so he can kind of like carve out this avenue that if they defeat the Fire Lord, like it's not just going to be like a huge paradigm shift for like this basically fascist nation. Yeah. Uh, but to also like touch the hearts and minds of the people of the fire nation that that it's not a bad thing for them to lose their fire lord well it's also know? it's it's interesting just for one it's just like how how much it exposes about the education system when you see what's basically what school was like except now it's under a fascist dictatorship like it suddenly exposes how creepy school is and also, it underlines in a better way than I've seen, like, movies made for adults where it's like, 
we can't let these kids dance because we can't let them express themselves as individuals. <laughs> it's like they're not supposed to think about their lives that way. They're they're solely just cogs in the machine of the Fire Nation, and they have to start accepting that. Yeah, and it's so good. And, like, you get this fun little supporting cast of minor characters in the Fire Nation school, too. Like, you talked about, like, the, the one bully guy who's clearly just trying to be, like, teacher's pet, but also, like... Like, I think the, the alignment you're supposed to get there is that he's also very, like, pro-Fire Nation. Like, yeah. this is the way things are, and that's the way they have to be, and that's why I'm the best at it, you know? Yeah, and then style. the other kid... Yeah, they, exactly. He's... Oh, my God. He's he's a fucking narc. Um, <laughs> don't be a narc. And uh, and the other kids are like... Like, you, I don't even know any of the other names, but, like... You can picture them, right? Like, you can see all the little designs and the quirks and their outfits and their attitudes and their voices. Like, it's such a well-crafted episode. I know. And even the Um, teachers... I love it so much. ...such personality to them, which is something I really love. Like, they aren't just, like, one-off weirdos, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, you, you can get a lot out of them. Even just, like, the music teacher who I think has, like, two lines... Yeah, he's just like, why are you dancing? And Aang's like, oh, we just do that in the colonies because he has to pretend to be from one of the Fire Nation colonies. Yeah. And then the guy's like, ah, well, if you have to move around like that, do it in place. And <laughs> it's just like, oh, wow, like this is like not a healthy environment for anyone, let alone children, you know? It's just it's it's just interesting to me that like they like I can't think of we've seen this story so many times. But it's always kind of like written off as like, oh, there's like a bad group in town that wants to stop the kids from having fun, you know? Mm-hmm. Like Footloose is literally just like, you can't dance because it's too sexy. Like, <laughs> which isn't really a thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's... Although, although, to, to go to bat for a movie I've never been crazy about, in my middle school... When the uh, the dances would happen and the DJs would play hip hop, the principal or vice principal would always walk up and say, "We don't really play that kind of music here." Wow. Yeah, yeah, oh, wow. yeah. Uh huh. Um, also, uh, two women who treated me very politely, nothing with respect and kindness. But also, you know, in hindsight, I'm like, "Oh, wait a second, that was weird. <laughs> That's like not good. No, not great." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but it's also what I'm saying is like so rarely do you see it where it's like yeah, you know, this is like a funny little conflict. It's like a one-off story. It's like the plot is about the avatar teaching kids to dance, right? But it's also like this thing where it's like you learn so much about the Fire Nation society from this one episode. And mm-hmm. you also learn like why like the true reason why stuff like that is so often suppressed by people in power that you know it's i i just can't think of too many other times where it's like it actually takes a story like this and gets political and overtly so like this isn't like reading into it too much this is it all of this is overt i mean this is literally an episode where ang is like you know we commit the fire nation committed genocide against the air nation and it's like that's not what the book says <laughs> Yeah, I mean, how everyone's heard that. Yeah. Right? Like, whether if, if it's something from a comment you said or someone else said in a class, like, everyone's heard that. Mm-hmm. At some point, from some teacher, somewhere, in a classroom, someone, that has happened. <laughs> and 
maybe it's it's good to question things, you know. Uh, and I there, there's a little more going on in this episode with like Zuko and stuff like that, but I also just wanted to make like a kind of final statement on the basically the whole thing is is about the dance, right, and like, expressing oneself, but it's also a little bit more about like how art is like a way of expression too because like the stuff with the music teacher it's like music is also a form of expression you know what you're creating there and like oh in a way to entertain people but also like express what you're feeling in a way that's not um communicating through words and dialogue yeah and he's like no you you can't you can't do it like that that's not how we do it here. Well, it's literally like, you know, when you're a part of a band, you have your place in the orchestra. And you are serving the greater piece, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas something like dancing, it's like, well, that's you. And that's your individual expression, which is so it's like the Farnish is like, well, one form of expression's cool, but this other form isn't. And that's kind of, you know, that's those are the baits that we still kind of have today. In mm-hmm. different ways. And also, you could just take the whole, like, quote-unquote dancing thing, and it can represent, like, a million different things. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we've moved from, like, in this country, it's really moved from, like, being against kids dancing to now it's just more, like, against kids, like, knowing anything about sex. <laughs> which still seems to be the big battleground in this country. Yeah, I mean, how many sitcom tropes are, like, where the parents struggle to talk to the kids about sex? Which, like, you know, is, like, a genuine, like like struggle to to explain to someone but it's it's always treated as like a punchline and not as like something that needs to occur yeah think about like how it's always like a punchline and also how those punchlines never usually explained what sex actually is yeah it's always like like you remember the bernie mac show like even the bernie mac show does that and i love like god bless bernie mac rest in peace but like the the joke of it is that like they they cut away when he explains and like you know I get it it's like it was on ABC or whatever right mm-hmm. so they they can't like go all crazy in detail um, because sex is not PG friendly mm-hmm. which is fine you know but it's something that needs to be like discussed more openly and not as like whoo that was tough I'm gonna wipe the sweat off my brow yeah well like here's something think about think about back to like school. Like, early school. How many kids did you know who understood the mechanics of sex? It's probably, like, zero, right? Like <laughs> yeah, way... On average. Yeah. It's probably, like, zero. Now, <laughs> think about how you knew at least one kid who knew way too much about guns. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like, we're more comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which it's like, you know... I think it's that weird thing that happens where you hear this a lot where um, an unfortunate, like, I don't know what the term would be, but something that that the gay community gets stamped with is that, like, the moment you come out as gay, everything you do suddenly is sexual to, like, the straight community, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's like they don't want you around children because when they think when if you're gay, then they immediately jump to gay sex, you know? So, like, they mm-hmm. think exposing a child to a gay person is the same as exposing a child to, like, hardcore gay sex. You know, there are people who think like that. And I know. And it's, it's fucked up. But it's also, I think it's a problem where it's, like, when it's when we start going, like, look, we, maybe we should start teaching kids what sex is at an earlier age. They immediately want to jump to, like, 
hardcore pornography or something like that. And it's like, no, maybe kids should just know how it works. <laughs> you know? And I, I, I think it's like, kids don't, before you have puberty, you really don't understand, like, you don't understand, like, that extra element of it. But... Again, it's just like, I don't know, it's this weird thing where the things that we are comfortable teaching kids and the things we aren't comfortable teaching kids, I, th I think, continue to be a problem. And it's something that doesn't really seem to be shifting. We still seem to be very repressed as a nation, even though we're being more open to, like, gay rights and transgender rights, as of right now, anyway. There's a whole, like, episode you could basically frame around that, too, where it's like, oh... You're okay with, like, the idea of gay, but then, like, actually having to, like, coexist with it. You're like, whoa, 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 don't hit on me, man. Yeah. And it's just like, it's, that's not, that's, that's not a, a thing. That's not, that's not something you have to concern yourself with. Well, it's also, like, think of how many It's not what it's about. Yeah, but also, like, think of how many comedy films portray gay men as, like, all they want to do is have sex with any man they meet. I know. I know. And it's that's what people think gay people are for whatever reason, and it's uh it's unfortunate. Yeah. This is why I should be emperor of the world. Why no? Because if anything, this show also proves that emperors are bad. Yeah, but like, give me like like make me emperor for like five minutes. No. Because like I would just put like Planned Parenthoods in like all public schools. Oh okay yeah that's good. You know just start handing out birth control to like children. <laughs> I don't know. Not children, but... <laughs> yeah, like, whoa, whoa. Teenagers, you know. There you go. We all know what's up. Yeah. Remember there was a... This is a... I think it was... We developed a vaccine. It might have been for cervical cancer or something like that. And... Or no, no, because it was a sexually transmitted disease. I can't remember, but there was some vaccine we came up for some sexually transmitted disease. And they were like, all right, we want to start giving it to kids... Who are like age like ten? Like we want to we want to knock to the kids when they're ten, and the conservatives freaked the fuck out, and we're like we can't do this because this will encourage kids to have sex, and it's like no we're giving it to them when they're ten because that's when they're not having sex. <laughs> <laughs> if we give it to them later, it's too late. <laughs> like <laughs> this fucking country, man. Well, the whole conservative mindset, I mean, like, it's, it's obviously more complicated than this, but, like, people don't want to address a potential problem because that means that there's probably a problem yeah. already worth addressing. And, you know, to bring it back to Avatar a little bit, that, that is kind of like the Fire Nation thing, where it's like, no, 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 the, the, Air, the Air Nomads had an army. Like, yeah. that's why, and the Fire Nation attacked to defend themselves. That's why they had to wipe them out. <laughs> like, oh, that's that's not how... It worked, and yeah, I like even little, if they did have a standing army, I like the it's a little, little weird to do a genocide. Aang throws out this, like, they, the Air Nation didn't have an army. Where it's like, again, where it's like, where you taught, you're taught about, like, the Indian Wars, and it's like, you know, Native Americans didn't have the, like, militaries we have. <laughs> a lot of the weapons Native Americans used were weapons we sold them. <laughs> it's like a thing that, like, we ignore fairly often in discussing our history <laughs> but what do you yeah, no, do? this is this is a great episode great um episode. and zuko zuko is also we, we didn't really talk about on the the preview about the previous episode but azula basically 
you know the way she tells her father about Zuko like killing the avatar um is to make sure that like hey if anything went wrong it's not on me um but there is a moment in the second episode where it does seem like Azula is genuinely like hey I am looking out for you don't go see your uncle anymore mm-hmm. and maybe she is just trying to like keep things under her control but I I like to think that there is something like she does want to be like brother and sister with Zuko. Like she does want that relationship. It's just she's evil and he's not and he's struggling with that. You compared her to Loki earlier. And I think that's pretty apt because it's like there's there's a point in Ragnarok where it's like Loki doesn't even really know who he's fooling anymore. Mm-hmm. And you know Zula, she's such in the mindset of who she is that she doesn't I don't even think she knows if she's trying to protect her brother or if she's really just putting him in a position where he'll be under her control you know like she no longer sees that difference anymore mm-hmm. which is kind of a, a, a sad thing about Azula yeah and again would like that a little uh, explored a little bit more yeah always could use but I think there's I, I think I was under valuing how much we learn about Azula just through her actions. Because she is more just the straight-up antagonist in Season 2. Whereas this, like, you get to see her kind of living her life a little bit. And it tells you a little more about her. Mm-hmm. And we'll we'll talk about that more uh, at, at the end of this. But um, Oh, and Zuko also hires a bounty hunter to kill the Avatar. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Which is not, not good. Not good. He'll be important at some point. Oh, yeah, he is kind of gone for a little bit, huh? That's for, like, two episodes, I think. Yeah, it's like, here's the cliffhanger, and then we kind of forget about him. That kind of works for me, but, uh, yeah, he's not he's not exactly a, a main antagonist. He's definitely, like... He's kind of a Terminator. A, yeah, there's, there's literally nothing else to him, and you don't need there to be, but well, it is just, like, a little... It took me a moment to get used to in this rewatch... To um to kind of get readjusted, like oh yeah, he, there's not, he's not a Zuko or a Zula, like mm-hmm. he he's just like a murderer. He's like a Terminator or he's like a Boba Fett type. If Boba don't say, Fett don't say talk. Boba Fett to me. Why don't don't bring him? Because nobody gives a shit about Boba Fett, listen, even if they think they do. Listen, I'm just saying he's kind of like a Boba Fett type. Okay, fine, whatever. He's literally um, a bounty hunter. Yeah, I know. Whatever, he's fine. I like the other bounty hunter better. She rode that, June. Yeah, she rode that weird animal thing. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that monster. Remember that weird um, moment where Uncle Iroh's hitting on that woman? <laughs> yeah. It's the one time Uncle Iroh's creepy. <laughs> that's a strange moment. It definitely is. I wonder who wrote that episode. <laughs> yeah, that's very odd. <laughs> um, I, I know we have to move on, but I just really love the dance finale with everyone dancing together. And then there's that moment where the kids like, it's like my, all my inhibitions have gone away. Oh, yeah, and, then the, and then the teacher, the teacher shows up with the guard and the student. And he's like, oh, they're back now. <laughs> yeah, that's a genuinely. <laughs> the other moment that killed me was when they all kind of pull a like, I am Spartacus thing where they're all wearing the headband. And... Oh, it's so good. It's so good. And I, I guess you have a point to make about it. Well, no, I'll just it. say, Otherwise, no, I... I just, it's funny when then, like, but then they help Aang sneak away, and Aang runs away and, like, waves at him, but then he, he shuts the cave behind him. And that kid <laughs> yeah. has that, like, moment where he's like, hey, wait a minute. 
Yeah, he's like, wait, there's something up. <laughs> and also the, the people that are chasing them are uh, start dancing too, which is fun. So Yeah. Um but like like we gotta move on, but like that that is also just a great moment where it's like, oh, the very thing that they were pressing upon the kids, like the lack of individuality is what kind of causes their downfall. It's not the same thing yep. as like overthrowing a fire general or anything like that, but it's just such a sweet, well-crafted episode designed with like these really empathetic payoffs. Yeah. No, it's a great episode. I'm shocked to hear that it's like not well-liked. Yeah. Like at the very least, it's not, it, it's not on any high ranked lists. There's always these, From what I've seen. There's always these weird episodes in every season where it's like a very self-contained story that's almost kind of goofy and then maybe has like a couple plot beats in it. And those always end up being my favorites. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> oh, and Aang and Katara dancing is really cute. I just need to say that because oh, yeah. I, I like that shit. And they do crazy dancing. Oh, yeah. Well... It's never explained, but I think what he whispers in her ear to get her comfortable with dancing is that it's like bending. Because they, they are doing, like, moves together. And they're not, like, dance moves. Like, I think he shows the other students earlier, like, something called the Phoenix Flight. And it is just, like, nonsense with his body. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> and that's, that's cute. But, like, with Katara, I think it is, like, supposed to be, like, oh, like, it's like bending together. So, that was cool. It's like, I don't know. It's like bending together. Not. <laughs> Never mind. I'm just saying that's what this is a metaphor for. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Even with the like, Sokka has a moment. He's like, "Oh, those him Ang and that girl look good together." And she's like, "Eh, if you're into that." Like, <laughs> oh, we and it's... talk about Sokka dressing up as Ang's father. Oh my god! Yeah, there's so much in this episode. <laughs> that's a great moment. <laughs> A, it's just fire. hysterical. Wang fire. Yeah. <laughs> it's hysterical that that works at all. And it's also <laughs> fucked up when he's like, I'm going to take him home and give him what for? And then the teacher's like, that's exactly what I want to hear. <laughs> and like, yeah, and that, that doesn't bode well for, like, the culture of the Fire Nation, yeah. you know? It doesn't bode well for what maybe happened after that party. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I do love episode. that everyone's like, you know what, Aang, like that was that was a really great thing you did, and maybe maybe it'll like help us in the long run, kind of thing. And that, and then uh, everyone's like, oh, Saki, you could take off the beard now. He's like, no way. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> so that that just made me happy. I wish that beard stuck around more, but that's okay. What are you gonna do? Yeah, uh, but we gotta move on to the next episode, the Painted Lady. Which I'm just gonna say it up front is about Katara being both a superhero and an eco terrorist. Yeah, and I love it. It th- shit like this radicalized me as a child. Yay for terrorism! <laughs> it's kind of um, she's basically like poison ivy in this. Uh-huh. And it's kind of nuts how much children's media, like the protagonists, like fit the exact definition of terrorist. Like, it's it's not like, you know, now where it's like, oh, you spray-painted that statue of General Lee, you're a terrorist. Like, it's like, oh, no, they're, like, legit blowing up buildings. <laughs> I mean, hey, that, that, that explains some things. Yeah, I love, 
everything with Katara in this episode. I don't love the rest of the gang being so reluctant to, like, help her. Except for Aang. Aang hops in right away because he knows it's the right thing to do. But I also, um, I, I kind of get why Sokka is more like, we got to stay on schedule, we got to stay on schedule. But I, I don't really buy it taking him that long to come on board with it either. Yeah. I don't know. That, that might be just a me thing. Well, I think there was just something about them being more upset that they were being deceived. Which uh, is something Katara's do. She's deceiving everyone, both her friends and the village. For the greater good, because she's pretended to be the painted lady spirit. Yeah, who does come to thank her in the, the final scene of the episode for, like, yeah. keeping the literal spirit alive. And it's, like, a very, like, only Avatar could pull off something like that. Yeah. You know, like, it's, it's very touching. Uh, uh, the, the village, I I like the joke with the guy who's like, oh, I didn't get my brother. Shoo! And then, like, he keeps pulling out, like, these hats and it's, like, the same guy. But it's also not entertaining enough for me to be like, I liked seeing that all the time. I would have. It would have worked if it turned out there really were like three brothers. I, I think so. Yeah, that would have made it like really work. Yeah. Um. Because it it, it's it also reminds dumb. me. Of, yeah, no, it is very dumb. Uh, it also reminds me of Zuko alone a little bit because at the end they're like, look at like they helped and stuff. They they freed up the the village from. The, the Fire Nation, like, troops and uh, their their power plant that's, like, basically poisoning the river with the sludge from their war factories, right? And then, uh, you know, for a moment there, it looks like they're going to turn on Katara like the village turned on Zuko. But no, they're like, you know what? Yeah, thank you. That's cool. And then, um, I don't know. It, it, it's a nice episode. And the not Katara much. stuff, I think, is really, really great. But not much to go on beyond that. Other than it is, like, good to finally see, like what the Fire Nation is doing to their own nation in order to fund this fucking hundred-year war. Mm-hmm. A forever war. Glad I don't yeah, relate I mean, to that... that in any way. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, it really... This show really does, like, totally nail it, like, the idea that basically this shit is not sustainable. Yeah. <laughs> like, the way that world works. Like, if... Say the, the Fire Nation had gone on for another hundred years like that, right? dominating the planet like the planet's gonna turn on them <laughs> yeah it's gonna, <laughs> because in that world it's got the spirits and shit yeah yeah it, like that's not sustainable and like what we're discovering in the real world very quickly is that <laughs> oh not only is that not sustainable it is less sustainable than we thought it was like a year ago yeah. and the year before that <laughs> so just something to, to toss out there that's something katara as an eco-terrorist is cool those two comments are unrelated <laughs> excuse me but uh no no good 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 episode uh i like katara having the spotlight and she will get it later in the season as well in a very different episode but we'll save that for another recording oh yeah um i was gonna make the point that like yeah it's just not sustainable and it's like even libertarians agree that you know <laughs> like <laughs> Even libertarians agree that war doesn't generate wealth, it just destroys wealth. Which is maybe the last thing you should think about in terms of the consequences of war. <laughs> but it's also something to maybe point out. But hey, who like, knows? Yeah, like it, it shouldn't be the olive branch you extend to people when you're trying to point out something is bad. 
But for those like hardcore conservatives, at least, I think that's kind of what they need. Should not be the sole priority of stopping it, you know, but I think that can tend to help people see the light a little bit at first. But uh, whatever. It's not like the world's on fire and the air's poison. Uh, Anyways, chapter four, Sokka's master. (laughs) Is there another air warning in L.A. today? Uh, actually, yeah, today is like the hottest day of the year. It's like fucking, it's 108 degrees outside right now. Did, uh, what's the PG&E shut off your power? Because I guess they're doing that uh, across the state. Uh, no, so far, no, thank God. But, uh, I have unhealthy air quality for sensitive groups. That's mm. been the, the thing for like three days now. Really good advertisement outside. to move out to LA. Yeah, don't come here. Stop coming here. <laughs> It's bad, and it's going to continue to be bad in my lifetime. But anyway, Sokka's hey. master. <laughs> um, Sokka is starting to feel a little isolated because everyone can do all this great bending stuff. And even though he is, like, generally an intelligent guy when it comes to, like, tactician stuff and, He's and like, battle plans. a buffoon. He, he is, yes, he has one brain cell, and sometimes he shares it with Aang. And, um... He, he he just feels useless sometimes, you know. Like it, the epi- the episode has this great opening where everyone's like, "Oh, we can do this." Tough, you build the earth this way. Katara, you get the water. I'm gonna ride above Appa, and then he's like, "What should I do?" And everyone's like, "Just uh, guard Momo." <laughs> you know what this episode reminded me of? The Karate Kid. No, I'm just um, trying to guess what you're gonna say because I never know. It's that episode of "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia." With where oh my they God. decide that uh, Charlie's the wild card because they're trying to find out their roles. Oh my Remember? God! It's like I'm the smart one, you're the sexy one. He's the guy. He's the funny guy, and Dee's the useless girl. <laughs> and instead of Dee being the useless girl, it's Sokka's the useless non-bender. Oh! <laughs> and they try to upend it, and then shit starts going wrong. Because the Katara tries to fill the role of being a funny person and fails entirely. Oh, yeah, but that's so great. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> and then Toph has a great comment about how, I already picked my feet twice today. <laughs> like, like, oh, wow. She's picked her feet twice today. You know they're bored. <laughs> oh, we haven't really talked about Iroh. Uh, and he, he pops up back in this episode. Zuko wants to go see him back in episode two, the, the headband episode. And uh, Zuko is basically pleading because he he doesn't know what to do. And so naturally, he makes the worst decision possible and hires a murderer to look yeah. for the Avatar. Uh, and in this episode, we see Uncle basically being like a pathetic old man sitting in a corner of a prison cell. Except he's actually working out at every opportunity possible and has somehow gotten shredded. Yeah, he's working out and he's getting ready. <laughs> It's great. Yeah. I'm t- I'm told I love it and I'm totally cool with it. But I I I like the when people try to be like, is that really realistic? Don't you really need like a bunch of protein to maintain that physique? And it's like don't, he, you, don't you need a tall glass a, of shut the fuck up? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like Katara talked to a spirit in the last episode. Mm. We've seen a lot weirder shit than an old man getting shredded. On, yeah. We've seen another old man shredded on this series, yes. King Boomy. <laughs> so, whatever. Who gives a fuck? It's cool. It's it awesome also, that Iroh's, like, building it up. It totally works narratively, but it's also very clearly a way to work around the fact that Mako, unfortunately, passed away between the recording of the two seasons. 
Um, yeah. And now Greg Baldwin voices Iroh. Um, and does a pretty good job. He took over, I believe he also took over the voice of Aku on Samurai Jack. Yes. Um, yes, he did. Greg Baldwin's current uh, Twitter profile is him as Iroh. <laughs> Yeah, because I, I, I think that is what he's most known for now. It, it, he actually it um, actually works. He looks like him. Yeah, no, he totally does. And uh, shout out to Gene, who uh, who got to interview him at uh, oh, yeah. I think Long Beach Comic Con like two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, shit. He had he... not seen Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh. So. <laughs> yeah, I know. So he just. Yeah, I know. I know. Had he seen Hail Caesar? <laughs> Yes. Because he is one of the communist writers in Hail Caesar. <laughs> and uh, Gene's a, a huge Samurai Jack fan, so oh, okay. he, you know naturally talked about that. So Greg Baldwin you're is all right, one. Gene. You're all right. Greg Baldwin is the one who keeps telling the guy to shut up in the meetings. <laughs> That's great. And he's also the one who's like, I wrote all the all the way pictures or whatever. <laughs> That's a great movie. What a good movie. That's a weird one where the Coen brothers get like a ton of weird character actors to play all the communists. <laughs> and fucking uh Wayne Knight is in it and has no lines. Oh god, is he? I don't remember. He's he's the one who poisons um Clooney. Oh, that's right. He's okay. He drugs him and he's like he's a extra. That's how they figure it out cuz it's like you don't you can never <laughs> trust an extra. <laughs> um What a good movie. Yeah, Iroh's Iroh's getting ripped. And Sokka goes to find a master while everyone else is trying to figure out their own shit well, to do first, now that Sokka's gone. They first try to treat themselves by going shopping. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. And way back when we first started recording these, I I brought up an instance where the marketing tried to push uh, some creative control over the creators in the series. So now do you know where that showed up again? Where? In this episode... When everyone's trying out the weapons, and Aang tries out that battle armor. Oh, were they trying to be like, they should have different armors and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. They were like, oh, yeah, you got you to gotta give us more stuff to work with so we can sell toys. And the, the creators were like, they're pacifists. <laughs> <laughs> like, I could have sworn and so that, that armor felt like a reference to something, though. I'm sure it was partly a reference to something, but I I know that that was like that was them being like, "Fine, you want your fucking thing." <laughs> it just seems oddly <laughs> specific. I mean, maybe I mean you're probably right. This is also, I believe, tough. Like, makes the Nickelodeon logo at one point or something. Yes. Oh yeah, because we didn't talk about like the a meteor crash lands in front of them, causing the fire, which made Sokka feel inadequate when everyone else worked together to put it out and save the nearby village. And uh, Sokka will eventually use that meteorite to create his own sword from uh, 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 the, his master. And, uh, and then Toph gets to play with it because they've never bended space Earth before, which is cool. And yeah, she makes Nickelodeon logo. She makes some other stuff. I don't think those are references. They're just cool. They could be, but I don't know them. Yeah, I don't either. But um. No, that's, that's cool. That's cool. That's when they see that sword, and it's like, hey, it was made by that. It was made by that guy. You should go uh, see if he'll teach you or something. And they go, and the guy's like, "Oh, this guy never takes anyone." But then Sokka's such a boob that the guy's <laughs> like, "You're you got a different vibe, do you?" Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like Sokka is 
you know, he he's he's like the class clown basically of the yeah. group. And he does have his moments of intelligence, but he is also like very down on himself in a world full of like, you know, what he once called magical people and shit. And like it's easy to see how he could feel like I'm not as talented or as important as other people. And, and I become, mean, like, you know, who, who, who hasn't felt like that once in a while? It will also become a theme going into uh, Legend of Korra. That kind of divide. Yeah. Um, which is only hinted at occasionally in this series. Mm-hmm. That would be a bit uh, of a bummer. Yeah, right? Like your, your three other friends are like all have superpowers. <laughs> uh, you know what? No, I wouldn't mind that. I, I would be kind of bummed. I'm not going to lie. I guess, I'd be a little bummed. But it's, you know, I've always thought about where it's like I never really wanted to be like Superman or someone like that. Mm. But I always want to be the guy who's like hanging out with Superman. Just be like, man, Lex I... Luthor fucking sucks. <laughs> I just don't want to get fridged. Uh, yeah, that's bad too. Yeah. I can't believe that was a thing. I know, I know. But uh, anyways, Sokka's master basically tells him like, no, like when you first showed up here, I wasn't sure what to like think of you. And then when you showed me your your like your talents and stuff like that. You know, I wasn't impressed. No, it definitely wasn't your skill. <laughs> That's like, a, yeah. Like, you can't help but shit on Sokka. I know. He's like, no, it definitely wasn't that. Make no mistake about it. <laughs> definitely wasn't. Um, should point out real quick that uh, this, uh, the master is voiced by uh, Robert Patrick. And Terminator 2. Hey. I always wanted to do that. That was something. Yeah, sorry, everyone. Uh, <laughs> All right. Those are those are two great movies. Anyways. I thought I thought something was wrong with my headphones. Oh no! <laughs> uh, no, no, it's um, yeah, it's great to 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 see him in a in a in a series like this. Also, very good in the severely underwatched and underappreciated series, Last Resort. Which is a little conservative, but it's also very good, so who am I to say? Yeah. Things. Never heard of it. Oh, it's really good. Is that the one where they're on a submarine? Yeah, and then they're they're framed for like a strike on a country and then they have to go like into hiding and then they basically accidentally do colonialism and then have to work with like the natives of an island and it's it it's not it's not perfect. But he's great in that series. Okay. Yeah. Canceled. Yeah, after one season. <laughs> but it got an ending. It got a, it got an ending. They they had enough time to kind of rework it into like a rust finale. And it, it's actually pretty good. Good. Yeah, yeah. I wish everything had that opportunity, but anyways. Do you remember the show Drive? Nathan Fillion? Oh, yeah, he was on that. <laughs> okay, yeah, I do because I was like... I don't know why, but I I watched every episode, but I never sought it out. It was just on TV when I would turn it on. And then it stopped airing at one point. And I was like, wait. It's about an illegal cross-country automobile race. Yeah, it's like Mad Max, but boring. Creator, that's, Tim that's Miner, has, oh, that's... Uh, has described the show's thematic tone by saying, A secret, illegal, underground road race can be anything from Cannonball Run... 
to the game to North by Northwest to Magnolia on Wheels. Ours is <laughs> all of those things. Tim Minear, uh got his success on Buffy, Angel, and Firefly, and Terriers. So hey. I'll defend him. The Twitter account, unless is he's still like a shithole human being. Really. And by still active, I mean it's still up and last posted oh. September 17th, 2009. Wow. Bring back Drive. <laughs> I'm going to start the campaign. Yes. Hashtag reverse. I just retweeted that account. <laughs> okay, good. Thumbs are killing me. Um. <laughs> Do we have anything else to say about this episode? It's good. It's good. It's I another mean, one, like the, the Painted Lady, where it's like, oh, I love all of this. I got nothing else to say, really, though. And Sokka realizes, like, I've been lying. I'm not actually from the Earth Nation. I mean, from the Fire Nation. <laughs> as, <laughs> if, as if the fucking guy couldn't figure that out. And, uh, yeah, they get into a sword fight, and it's fun. It's a little clear that he's just testing Sokka. Like, he's yeah. not actually looking to, like, Sokka hurt him. Sokka does a very good job. Yeah, yeah, and he he showcases his ingenuity, his his prowess, and like using the environment around him in battle and stuff like that. And it's it's, it's really nice to see Sokka get a moment to shine like that because he he's he's had a rough time too. You know, all these people have had a rough time, but his first girlfriend turned to the moon. So yeah, that's, that's gonna, tough. That's gonna be tough. Yeah. Holy shit, Homer! Uh, and... The guy who played Homer Stokes in Oh Brother Where Art Thou also did a voice in this episode. Oh, really? Is he, like, the butler? I don't know. I'm checking. Oh, okay. Voice someone named Warden Poon. Oh, he might be the, the guard at the prison where oh, Iroh yeah. is. Oh, yeah. All right. All right, yeah. That's, no, that's a good choice. So that was Homer Stokes, friend of the little man. Yeah. Um. Oh, and uh, as they're leaving and... Uh, Sokka's master bids him farewell and good luck on their journey with the Avatar because he's like, yeah, I, I, I know. I know. I've done this all time. It's fine. Um, he also gives them a white lotus pie show piece similar to the one that Uncle had. Hey. Just interesting. Interesting. Interesting that that makes an appearance here. Uh, but on the last episode we're talking about today, Chapter 5, The Beach. You know it's less interesting when if you watch this episode and saw the episode recap at the start where they make sure to play the scene where Uncle Iroh's talking about the White Lotus Society. Yeah. I I wish that one had kind of been pulled, so that way for wary viewers to be like, oh, wait, that's right! Yeah, that's that's one you don't need immediate explanation on. Yeah, yeah. I wonder where that's going. Anyways, Chapter 5, The Beach. Chapter 5, Spring Break! Yeah, it is the the Spring Break episode. (laughs) Spring Break forever. (laughs) Where is Gucci Mane in this episode? What's uh, what's his character's name in Spring Breakers? Alien. Alien. Uh, you're talking about James Franco, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who's the alien in this episode? Oh, I, I don't know. <laughs> Show's not g- good enough to have a character like that. Boo! No! That's for the sequel series, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I like this episode, it's just they don't have... They don't have Alien. No, this this might be my favorite one of the bunch, actually. This is really good, although I got some questions. Okay, okay, bring it on. Uh, it's a very fan service heavy episode, I would argue. That's why it's 
it's the opposite of the headband. This one is always on like top ten episodes. Yeah. I wouldn't put it on a top ten. And you know, but I, I like guess, it a lot. I guess it's cool if it's a if it's because the show made for children. <laughs> well, it's a little weird because I because one I, I was googling Ty Lee's name because I wanted to make sure I got it right. And mm-hmm. like the first image that comes up is her in the bathing suit. Oh no, it's and one of those things. That's a little. Uh, I got some questions. Just a weird, weird thing. It'd be like, all right, this show needs a beach episode. Well, it's an anime trope, isn't I, it? Isn't I guess, that why? At least it's not like uh, one of the shows where it's like, all right, let's go. Let's have all the female characters go to the hot springs. Oh where, yeah, where they'll yeah. get naked or something like. <laughs> you know, they at least didn't go that far, which was probably something that was on Toonami at around the same time. <laughs> At least those characters are usually adults. We don't need to get into anime here. <laughs> yes, we do. There's a, whole, there's a whole can of worms. Half the audience thinks we are talking anime right now. Oh, that's right, huh? There's that big debate about whether or not this is anime. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I just like this show. Well, I think there's some people who are like, it's anime, and that's what makes it sophisticated. And then there's people who are like, no, it can't be anime because anime is trash. <laughs> that that's me. I'm I'm much more the latter. <laughs> you anti-anime guy. I I used to be vehemently anti-anime, and now I'm just like, I don't care. I no, like, like Cowboy like, Bebop. It's become a thing, but like it feels very hypocritical when I was raised on like Toonami and Adult Swim. You know? Yeah, maybe. It's like we're the and we're, then you know they're we're the anime they're, generation. <laughs> We definitely are, but there is also the whole thing that I, I kind of used to tweet about that a lot, like, fuck anime, and then I started thinking about it, and I was like, is that just, like, disingenuous to, like, an entire, like, culture? Like, is there maybe, like, something deeper, more uncomfortable going on there? I'll probably cut back on that. <laughs> like, now play I don't want to. play the uh, Hayao Miyazaki saying, um, otaku's never learn, or whatever the fuck he says. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> All I know is he he's... That great clip of him responding to that one scene that he was shown by this company. Oh, yeah, he was like, just, I think it's an insult This is an to insult life to itself. life itself. <laughs> That's just fucking can great. Um, can you imagine being in that room when that happened? Oh, it'd be beautiful. It would have been. I don't even care if I was the guy getting yelled at. Like, <laughs> I'd be like, I would love to be alive in that moment. I mean, is that not your response to Googling Ty Lee and then it's like her outfit from the beach episode yeah, as your first I, image? That I, is kind of an insult to life itself. I don't, it, I'm trying to be like, you know what? There are kids that are the age of these characters that are probably, this is their awakening, so I can't judge that heavily. <laughs> but, you know. Like, that's okay. That's like, that's like not unhealthy. Kids need something like that. <laughs> you know, you need that moment. You need that moment that when you're in your mid twenties, you rewatch it, and then you go, "Oh, that explains a lot," <laughs> <laughs> which has happened a few times when I revisit some tsunami shows. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It was it was just it's a little concerning that when I Google any of these three characters, it's like the the like second or first image is the bathing suit. So yeah, that's very. Um disappointing 
I don't know. And now it's this weird thing where if I can't look up anything on Google Image anymore because I don't, I think they've like tried to make it more like safe, but in trying to make it more safe now, just like if you go at all deep on Google Image search, like really fucked up shit shows up. Oh, I I've like what are we, what are we talking here? I'm just like where you're like I did not know people were into that. Oh. And it's like you think like, ah, the internet can't shock me anymore. And it's like... (laughs) No, if you're saying that, you're ignorant. The internet can always shock you. Yeah, but like you always see that that thing where you're like, well, it can't get lower than that. (laughs) And then it does. Not after this year. I guess. I guess. This this year's put a lot in perspective and that's... Perspective is meaningless. I guess. But I'm talking more just about like people's private interests as opposed to just political interests i'm always cynical about people's politics (laughs) i I guess i guess but uh regardless of all that genuinely concerning shit um you know i i'm gonna break everyone's mind now who doesn't know this oh my god there are people who are into airplanes in a sexual way i i got it i got it (laughs) I felt like I needed to throw it on because a lot of people, because Hayao Miyazaki likes airplanes, but not in the way that uh, other people do. And you know what? Not judging in any way, but it's just like, it's like, what led to that? (laughs) And not only that, what led to it? And then why is there a community of it? But then again, there's that woman who like is like in love with the Eiffel Tower. Did you know about that? I'm just that? gonna let you. I'm gonna let you dig yourself out of this one. <laughs> no, no. I just I, it, internet. You learn a lot. Learn a lot on the internet. I think I've probably said this quote before, but someone once described the internet as a place where you can hang out with real weirdos without actually having to smell them. <laughs> and it's true. And I think that's actually the better side of the internet. The problem is when it bleeds over into children's cartoon characters. Yeah, that's a that's a genuine problem. Yeah. Um. Shout out to the My Little Pony fan base. Nope, absolutely <laughs> not. Uh, anyways, everything else this episode, <laughs> I really like. Yes, now that we've gotten that out of the way. This is an episode about how uh the the children the war criminal children of the fire nation basically never got to exist as actual children and that's caused a lot of psychological and emotional trauma for them yes and that's why i find it really compelling and it's great that it's just an episode where they try to fit into like normal teenage society and fail miserably and then have to go down to the beach to talk their shit out in a healthy manner except for azula and usually, this is where I, where I would be like, you know, I'd like a little bit more there. Here, I think it's actually a benefit because she can't open up like the others. No, that's a great moment. Mm-hmm. That's a great part. There's also a fun volleyball game. Oh, yeah. Where she destroys the net and almost kills, like, the opponent's team. Yeah. Zula's got some problems. You think so? Zula's got to work on some things. Yeah. Like Chan, that art, that outfit is so sharp. It is a genuinely sad moment where she's like kind of making it with that guy, and then she's like, "We will be the most powerful couple in the Fire Nation." 
<laughs> then he's like, uh, I gotta go. <laughs> yeah. And there's something to be said about how guys are easily intimidated by women with, like, a higher social status or are stronger. But, uh, yeah, that would be a problem for anyone. <laughs> yeah, like, genuine, like, monstrosity is, is a little concerning, like that. Yeah. yeah, that would raise some flags. Yeah. Uh, we haven't really talked about Zuko and, um... May are together in this season and they're they seem to be like genuinely like happy and into each other and it's like kind of sweet I and also Zuko don't... is still working out with shit yeah he's like I love how you don't like anything or whatever yeah. <laughs> and then, what does she say like I, I don't not like you or yeah. something like some weird double negative that's kind of sweet in a no, way that only those characters could engage with you know what it reminded me of a little bit um, do you remember Teen Parks Titans? and Rec. No, Teen Titans. Oh. Um, yes, I have seen Teen Titans. Th- it used to play this clip in like so many promos for Teen Titans where they were at some party and Raven would be like, this party's pointless. And this dude like rolls up and he's like, everything's pointless. Want to go talk about it? Oh, yeah, I do remember that. I'll just see if I can find that. <laughs> it's a great clip. It was what they, they used to play it all the time for whatever reason. Because it was a great clip. Yeah, what a great show. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I want to revisit that at some point. I haven't seen that in one. years. Then we can yeah. watch the new Titans where he says, fuck Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm not watching that show. Anyway. <laughs> According to some people, it's actually genius. Anyway, so the bounty hunter also tracks down Aang uh, when uh, he's spotted by some Fire Nation soldiers. And I guess the implication is that not only is that messenger hawk left for dead that's captured by the bounty hunter's hawk, uh, that those Fire Nation soldiers do not make it out of that canyon because they know the Avatar is alive. That'd be interesting. (laughs) Yeah, dude, kill them. Yeah, right? Like, it's not even, like, hinted at in the episode, but they'd have to be, right? I mean, I don't know when, because eventually... Not to spoil things, but Zuko's lie is going to come out eventually. <laughs> you know? And I don't remember how it comes out exactly. We'll see when we go over the next couple episodes. Yeah, but... I, I have a feeling, but we'll, we will we will see. Also, again, yes, with the, with we the will. fan service thing, even like those small subplot with, the, with Team Avatar, they're also in swimsuits. And yeah, but there it's, it's, a little, it's a little more equal. I, I would say than like the, the, I, guess. I, I can see where you're going with the Tylee stuff now. There's there is uh, something to be said about Fire Nation attire because you know they're Fire Nation. So I'm guessing if you're a Firebender, your body's probably hot all the time. So there's something to be said about the looser attire, but yeah, I guess. Well, because I mean, literally, yeah. like those those cops that like show up in the in the dance party episode are very. Uh, underdressed oh yeah yeah well i mean you know you're dealing even if you're not hot all the time you're dealing with fire yeah you don't want a lot of like loose attachments that could get in your way it makes a little more sense than some other times outfits are made like that yeah like that one uh, girl in metal gear solid who can breathe through her skin oh yeah that's the that's, that's the, the stupidest fucking thing I've ever heard in my entire life. That's the funniest goddamn thing ever. 
That's it's so like, oh, that's why her clothes is tattered. And it's like, that's that doesn't explain anything. Can't you just be like, I like seeing naked women? Like, You know, to go back to that conservative sexuality thing, I think being that upfront about it, then there would be like the outrage. And everyone would be like, no, my outrage is justifiable now. Whereas like now it's like, yeah. You have those gamers at their keyboards being like, no, well, you know, in in the lore, like, she has, like, she can only yeah. breathe through her, her skin, and that's why her clothes is tattered. Like Because that's girl, normal. Like the Power Girl boob window or whatever. Oh, yeah. That's a famous one. Yeah. I got, I got, I got nothing for that. <laughs> Remember, remember when Fox News like fucking threw a hissy fit over uh, the sex scene in Mass Effect? Oh yeah, I remember. I think the headline was "X-rated box." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. I love that. Yeah, I was gonna say like, man, that was such a long time ago. But then, like recently, they had that whole freak out, fucking Ben Shapiro freaking out over the Cardi B song. <laughs> Oh God, that was that was like two days ago. Time moves slowly now. Everything's great. Everything's I yearn now. for death. Everything is just fantastic. I need a beach trip. Yeah, I actually do. I miss the beach. Although I don't I, trust people enough to go to the beach. I have to be honest. I know, like that's his whole thing, but I did. Oh my God, Ben Shapiro's on the Wikipedia page for this song. <laughs> What? <laughs> Stream WAP, everyone. Ben Shapiro, pictured, was one of a number of conservative figures to criticize the song's lyrics. <laughs> I can't believe we're back to that already. And again, it's always fear of female sexuality. That's what it's always fear of. Always. I don't really, <laughs> I don't really have a way to like tie that into this, but like maybe there's something there with like. Well, there's a little bit with Zuko. Uh, at least, and and well, there's May. you know Azula like like where she's like, well, if you want to get a guy, you have to laugh at his stupid jokes. Or, or Ty Lee. When you remember, Ty when Lee tells that to Azula, right? Yeah, I remember when the guy's like, he says something about sand. <laughs> yeah, and, and then she's like, ha, 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 ha. like, yeah, this is like the sand capital. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like every, stupid. Which is like every time I've driven a stroke into the ground because I got one <laughs> laugh out of it. Man, that brought back some memories I didn't even remember I had. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I just like that uh, they kind of get the front and center status of this episode. You know, they're the antagonists, but there's like genuine problems that they have to sort out. And, you know, we'll see how they come to terms with things as the series like heads into its end game but uh it's not it's not easy for these these people and you know we talked about like how ty lee when she got coerced into joining asula's like assassin death squad Mm. that um you know she had a life she was happy at and now she's back home basically yeah and that's not like great for her either and and may is like she she does have stuff to work out too where maybe she is a little too emotionally closed off but zuko's not making it easier because he's lashing out at everyone and he doesn't even know why he's mad mm-hmm. it's also i just like that the episode goes like it, it's a fun episode and then there's like a good like few minutes where it's just like everyone's yelling at each other 
Yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. We see what happens when people stop being polite and start being real. What? The real world Fire Nation. Oh, no. My God. Is the real world still on? I have no idea. Do I look like I watch fucking reality TV? Yes. Holy no. shit. The real world's been on for 33 seasons. I hate so much. <laughs> There's just Now I'm like Zuko. I'm angry and I don't know why. Because <laughs> deep down you're angry at yourself. For not watching all 30 seasons of yeah, the real world. Because <laughs> I'm bonding with friends over your mutual hatred of the people on the real world. <laughs> no, but I, I do think this is a, a great Zuko moment too where, you know, it doesn't give him any easy way forward, but he does finally recognize that the problem is himself. I was a little disappointed that uh, Maya ended up comforting him a little bit at the end. It's a little clean, her resolution. She was doing pretty good with being like, like he would try to make a move and she'd be like, don't touch me, I'm still mad at you. (laughs) Which frankly, I think that that's a night where everyone just goes to bed kind of angry at each other. Yeah. Like you realize in the uh... morning, like it's one of those things where if you tried to like stop being angry too early it would actually be worse than just going off and being with your anger by yourself for a little bit Mm -hmm. and uh the show does such a good job generally of like like you know i brought up with katara when katara's like angry the show lets her like sit in her emotions because that's like a healthy thing to do you know you don't have to lash out at people that's not great but show generally does a good job of like just letting people deal with their shit. And it, sometimes there's no easy resolution like with Katara and Hakoda. And then here it is, it is a little clean, but I'm okay with it. And Zuko does lash out a little bit. I mean, I mean Col- yeah, he's Tyler, a lot of it. A circus freak. Yeah, he uh, he lashes out a lot of bit, not a little bit. <laughs> it's, yeah, but it's, that is kind of Zuko's thing. doesn't make it okay. It is something that needs to be addressed more but like you know i mean it's, it's there. it says a lot that like how much the show has shifted your perspective on them though where it's like now you're not like oh my god zuko's an asshole it's like man you're just disappointed in zuko <laughs> mm-hmm. which is great like it's great to kind of shift that you know yeah um, but then the group decides to come together and they bond over destroying that one kid's house i love that <laughs> Because that guy was kind of an asshole. Yeah, but you know that, like, that kid's father came back and probably beat him with an iron cane. Oh. Oh, yeah. There was a murder in the next few weeks (laughs) at Ember Island. Ember Island's a happy place. (laughs) I mean, it's like, you know. Oh, that might be a little dark. Never mind. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. Wow. I'm just going to point out that, uh,. The end of Ferris Bueller where, like, Cameron destroys the car. And then he's like, no, I gotta face my father on my own. And it's like, with every detail we've learned about Cameron's father, his father murdered him that night. Like, that's the only option. (laughs) Uh, Favorite episode from this bunch. We don't do this every week, but I'm gonna do it right now. Um, I probably like the headband one. Uh, That one I really liked. But the beach is probably a close second. Yeah, they're. I don't know which one I prefer, but those are are the best ones, I think. Uh, all all solid, all solid across the board. Uh, the first one was really strong too, and even three and four, 
the Painted Lady and Stalker's Masters are really good. It's just I didn't have a lot to say about them. They're just really good. Mm. Um, I remember this one being more uneven in the beginning. I am glad to be proven wrong. And I guess that that's all we're here to talk about today. Those first five episodes. Next time, we're going to be doing things a well, little hold differently. Up. Oh, hold no. up. It's time for all everyone's right. favorite segment. <laughs> I have to record another podcast at four. Good job. It's time for Matt takes a BuzzFeed quiz about Avatar The Last Airbender. I have to charge my phone. <laughs> I believe the first one we did, which character? No, Probably I'm sorry, you can't. You can't do it this time. Probably should have saved that for the last one. Then I did which nation. Now it's which element would you bend, or what kind of bender would you be? Are you ready, Diego? No. So who's your favorite last Airbender character? All right, Toph. That's an easy one. No, it's Zuko, but okay. Well, I'm not asking you. <laughs> I'm the one taking the quiz. Favorite last airbender creature. Turtle duck, flying bison, winged lemur, eelhound, badger mole, or aardvark sloth. <laughs> aardvark sloth, just because I like the name. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to go with that. Would you? How would your friends describe you? Chill, creative, down to earth, smart, intense, or emotional. I'm all those things. <laughs> so I'm gonna say down to earth. That's that's me to a T. What's your favorite color? Red, blue, black, green, white, yellow. That's not all the colors. No, but it's What's, you gotta choose from those. It's blue. How about blue? Yeah. yeah. Favorite season? Fall. Winter. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Which secondary bending skill would you like the most? Um, I'm not going to list all of them because that would give stuff away. Uh, I'm going to go with the one that would be giving stuff away. <laughs> <laughs> Can you explain what that is in a later date? Um... Yeah, it's the one that uh, you actually should never do under any circumstances. Oh. <laughs> oh, the one that's, like, ethically awful. Yeah, I don't know why I picked it. I just thought it'd be funny, but then I realized I can't actually say it. So, which would your spirit guide be? Well, a dragon. That's an easy one. I got water, I guess. Yay. <laughs> I don't know how. Water is your element. You're smart, gentle, and adapt. You always think twice before acting, and you have a good memory. Adept. <laughs> yep, adapt. I'm, smart. I, I... <laughs> I'm smart and adapt. <laughs> I, I can't even read it. I just know, just like from the sentence. <laughs> I'm water. <laughs> I, I, I have to again. do one of these one day. I win again. I think I have to do this for the last one. Maybe. It only makes sense. Thanks for (laughs) stopping by, everyone. (laughs) Anyways, uh, Matt, before we do plugs, uh, next time we'll be talking about six episodes. We're doing things a little differently, although on Netflix it will still be listed as five episodes because they bundled up all the two-parters together. That's not confusing at all. 
I know, it's stupid. So, I'm just going to go off the Wikipedia list of episodes. So if you get confused, too too bad. Don't be. <laughs> Alright, so next time we're talking about Avatar and the Fire Lord, The Runaway, The Puppet Master, Nightmares and Daydreams, and The Day of Black Sun, The Invasion, and The Eclipse. Because that is a two-parter episode that they bundled into one. So... Everywhere else it's listed as two episodes. On Netflix, it's one. That's not confusing at all. So, well, we, if you get confused, If sorry. there's one thing we've learned, it's that Netflix knows exactly how to handle the Avatar franchise. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, where can people go to make you, or to listen to more jokes like that? Oh, all that great greatness can be found over at Emperor OT1. OTN1. Twitter. Hey, I haven't had dinner yet. I'm very hungry. <laughs> very adept of you, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, and, <laughs> and you can follow me at the Diego Crespo. Check out the Waffle Press on YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and Patreon. Check depth, out the, the rest <laughs> the rest of the episodes and, and a playlist that'll be linked down below if you're watching on YouTube <laughs> and SoundCloud. And uh you might get early access to the rest of the season if you're checking out the Patreon. So thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We have been professionally unprofessional. Adapt the change. <laughs>